Welcome to our podcast, All About the Car, brought to you by Sherrill Tire and Service. I'm your host, Rob Hoffman, an auto service specialist with over 46 years of industry experience. A regular guest on the ride with me today is Bill Sherrill, a guy that logs a lot of Wisconsin miles and always has a lot of great questions. Welcome back, Bill. Thank you, Rob. Wonderful to be here. We also have back in the studio today, Brian Call, a guy that's been in the business a long, long time. Welcome back, Brian. Hey, great to be here. Also joining us, we have a very special guest with us today, Darren Jackson of Darren Jackson Racing. Welcome, Darren, and thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Great to see you here. The thrill of auto racing by drivers and spectators alike has been a part of our culture since the beginning of cars. The need for speed and the thrill of the chase actually got its start from running moonshine in the south. Some of the sport's early stars owned, built, and drove moonshine cars. Organized Star Car Racing then took hold in Pennsylvania in 1939 and later formed the National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing. And what does that spell? NASCAR. I was going to say, <laughs> I don't know. What does that spell? Oh, yeah, NASCAR. And that started back in 1947. Then back in Wisconsin, closer to home, short tracks were starting to pop up, providing playgrounds for the local racing teams as early as the mid-50s. Racing greats such as Dick Trickle and Richard Head became well-known on third and half-mile tracks like Golden Sands and Marshfield Speedways. Today, the sport is faster and more heart-pounding than ever, thanks to race teams like Darren Jackson Racing, who provide great entertainment for all ages. Darren, welcome again. Appreciate you having here with us and so you're a local guy right yeah born and raised right in the area yeah uh, i got to wisconsin grew up in wisconsin rapids i'm still there cool sounds like that's home yep so when did it all begin for you i think you've got some stories to tell yeah started back my dad raced back in the 90s and growing up i kind of took over racing go-karts when he gave it up and i haven't stopped ever since so how did the progression from go-karts to vehicles happen? We started just kind of outgrowing the go-karts. We started traveling pretty much the whole country. And once we got through that, make the jump, it's time. And there's been rough times, but it's been 15 years now. How old were you when you made the jump? 13. Oh, wow. Yep. So you were driving on a racetrack at 13. Yep. Is that legal? Yeah. <laughs> Can't get to the track, but I can race on the track. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My dad would wait for me to get off the bus and we'd go to the racetrack. Okay. All right. So you mentioned go-karts and you said traveling around the country. Is that with go-karts? Yeah. So that's yeah. some serious go-kart racing. Yeah. That's not your backyard stuff. No, we raced against the best of the best in the go-karts. Then we won the Grand National Championship in 06 and after that, pretty much just sold everything and decided we were moving up. So at the go-kart level, how fast are you going? They still went 60. Okay. Wow. I was 12 years old. I was going to say, yeah. Okay. No suspension nope. about that far yeah. off the ground? The way they mounted the seats here, you're about that far off. Wow. And that's just open wheel, right? There's no body or anything. Oh, they had on bodies them. on them. They did. Yeah. You could still get hit in the rear tires. The bumper didn't go, didn't block it, but... Yeah, for the most part, it's all wrapped around. So what got you interested in goat carts? I mean, like as kids, you grew up with a lot of stuff and a lot of options nowadays. My dad just kind of researched it one day, looking for something for me to get into because I was six years old. And he found some tracks around the area. So we went and watched one day. thought it was pretty cool. So then he ended up buying one. So during that time, he was racing cars. Yeah, he had just pretty much finished racing himself, yeah. So what do they run for engines on those go-karts? Uh, those had like a Briggs and Stratton five horse. Oh, really? Then a guy would build them up. 
I was going to say, wait, a five horse is taking you 60 yeah, miles an hour. They were 25 horse by the time they were done. Wow. It's pretty impressive. I'm just a little. It is. Yeah, there's not much to them. No. Well, let's kind of wind into Darren Jackson racing. Not so much Darren, but your team. I mean, it takes a team. And I would assume that you have a team that makes this happen every season, or maybe there's no season with your hobby. I don't know. It's pretty much year round. Is it? Okay. Yeah. It started going through high school. I'd raced a late model for a guy like I still do now. And then I got older and I bought my own car and started my own team at 19. That's when Darren Jackson Racing kind of started. Cool. And then over the years, more and more of my buddies started helping. My family helps. Now it's like me, my buddy Jordan, full time. Car actually stays at his house. And then a whole group of us, and we're pretty well committed to it. So you mentioned full time. So full time year round. Yeah, we work on it. This winter's been a little lighter. We do once a week, but last winter we built that new car, and from January till race season started, it was I think I was there five nights a week. Wow. You are not racing year-round, or do you go south? No, it just preparing the car, mm-hmm. going through the whole thing. We tore it about halfway down this winter, got a bunch of stuff rebuilt, putting a lot of new body panels on to make it look fresh again, just get it ready, make sure nothing was bent, nothing replaced anything that could be wrong. Is that typical of race teams and things in the area that they're working on their vehicle year-round? Oh, yeah. Okay. You pretty much have to now. If you want to compete, you better be in it full out. I, I guess because they're competing against yeah. people who are. <laughs> I would imagine it's almost like a perfect storm to be able to do this at the level that you're at. Because, I mean, it's got to really suck the pocketbook dry. Oh, yeah. And the money has to be going out constantly. Yeah. So you've got to have the perfect storm. Mm-hmm. You have to have the right people and a good team. What's the secret? Or don't you want to give that? Well, <laughs> I've been fortunate enough the last few years now to get partners like you guys. Sunrise Buster, he ended up actually pretty much financially helping me buy the new car. Without that, I would have never got one. And everybody involved, I mean, I couldn't do it myself. When you say buy the car, you mentioned that a couple of times. Are you buying a car or are you buying pieces and putting it together? Uh, we bought the bare frame and then put the whole thing Build together. It. Yeah. Wow. So just one car in the fleet? We have three, oh. but two of them we parked and put all of our, pretty much all of our eggs in a basket on a new one. So super late model, that's what I learned about you in my research. Yep. What does that mean? Pretty much no limitations, really. It's, I'd say compared to like a limited late model, we run wider tires, our shock rules, there's less shock rules. You can buy more expensive shocks. Engines are bigger, less rules with transmissions. So what size engine do you run? I have a 5.3 LS in this car. Now, what does a 5.3 mean? It's a 503? 5.3 liter oh, LS. Jargon alert. Right, exactly. I'm like, all right. Yeah, which is standard in your Chevy pickups. Right. Carbureted or fuel injected? That is carbureted. we got a four-barrel really? carburetor on it. Yep. Wow. Restrictor plates? Nope. <laughs> Not the big speedway. No. So is there a maximum engine size that you can have? So in the rule book, there's different engine packages you can have and that correlates with what weight the car has to be so if you go with like what we have we weigh a certain amount which is a little less than you go like a bigger engine package but you weigh more they're more expensive so ours is one of the more affordable engine packages then we get a weight break for using it so and a lot of it depends on what track you're running what engine you want to have depending where you want to race this year is kind of what you want to Put in your car for the year. Got it. If you can't have multiple cars, there's guys that 
they'll take one car to this track and the next day they'll take another one to that track. And is that because of who they're racing against or the style of the track? <laughs> the weight break versus the track, basically. Okay. If you so want a high horsepower track, you're going to bring your biggest motor you got. You run an offshore track, right? Yeah, we run. Third mile, quarter mile, half mile. Yep. Marshfield's half, but it's a flat half. Use a lot of momentum there. You can get away with a smaller engine package with a weight brake. More beneficial, in my opinion, there. So, in general, the car that you have today, how many horsepower is this 5.3 liter engine? Oh, we're pushing 500 yet. That's a lot of horses. Yeah. It's a lot of horses. <laughs> yeah. I always like to think about the number of horses that are out in front of you. Mm-hmm. You get like 20 cars out there, and that's a herd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So for the sake of our listeners, kind of keeping a watch and watching you on the track, number two is your car number. Any significance to that? That's the number my dad ran when he ran the late model. And then I kind of just inherited it. That's where I've been ever since. Cool. If I had my own car, it's been number two. So So I would imagine uh, where you keep number two in your buddy's garage or buddy's shop. A lot of spare parts hanging around, body parts. We've got parts everywhere. You do. Because you got to be ready, right? Yeah. Something happens on this Friday night, and you got to be ready to go to the next Friday yeah. or whatever is the next race day. It's probably a real quick change type situation. Yep. And yeah, there's a lot of nights we were on Friday night. We basically get it back to the shop Friday night, unload it, change what we have to change, and then in the morning, load it back up, go again. Do you ever have to dig deep into the engine throughout the season? Not unless something really bad happened. It's pretty well maintenance-free, changing oil a couple times. We do every two races. Okay. Otherwise, it's well built where we don't have to set the valves. We don't have to pretty much even worry about it. It makes it nice to... So the parts that you're changing out are what parts? We'll change the gears for the size of the track. Oh, quick change? Yep. So it goes fairly quick. It's just still getting up in the morning and doing it before you go again. A lot of shock parts, suspension-wise, between tracks, what you prefer to run, that sort of thing. So what in the suspension, as part of the suspension, makes the difference on the track? Oh, your spring rate. You change your springs. You change, call them bump stops. They go inside your, on the shaft of the shock. That changes from track to track, day to day. Explain to me on a track, do you want it firm? you want it soft? Like, and why would you want it one way versus the other? Flatter tracks, you want it more soft, more even across. Bank tracks, go golden sands. You're going to want your right front a little stiffer. It's because of the banking. So you change it by tire. Yeah, change the springs yep. on the shock. By wheel itself. position. Yep. That's a science. Each wheel, <laughs> right, has a different based on when you're going. Yep. That's what I was yep. curious about. Like you're wow. changing these parts out based on the track. Yep. And so much you're talking about is what you're physically running on dictates a lot of the car. Yeah. I don't think most people think about it that way. Like, oh, they have a nice car. They just go out and run the same thing and wouldn't think about that the track is what makes the difference in getting the car ready for the track. Yep. And then you change air pressure depending on what you're running. Yep. Depending if you're qualifying, your heat race feature, temperature. Half a pound makes... Now, I got the temperature there, but depending on the race, like, why would that change the pressure? Qualifying, you're only out there for three laps. Feature, you're out there 50, 100 laps. So... How much it builds. Okay, heat. Heat and air pressure. You start it low so it doesn't build up higher towards the end of the race. You want it to kind of level out at a certain 
For blowing out a tire. No, just for optimum performance. Okay. Kind of like what we've talked about on other podcasts, yes. that stickiness yes. of the yeah. tire to the road and not having it over under inflated. Yep. All right. Now I got it. Of course, being proud sponsors, Sheryl Tire and Service, mm-hmm. we want to know how long those tires last. I <laughs> how many rounds do they before you got to change them out? Usually like on our practice set, 100 laps, we get rid of them. Okay. So are you limited to the amount of tires that you can use throughout a season? To try and keep the cost of the racing down? Most. So Marshfield, for example, we get one new tire every race. Middle of the year, we'll get, there'll be one night, we'll get two tires. You mean, when you say one tire, you mean one tire of the four on the car? Gets to be brand new every week. Oh, wow. Wow. Gee, I didn't know this. And then you get to select where that placement is? Yep, you can pick wherever you want it to be. Okay. But it has to be on the car that night. So right front a lot of times? Yeah, right front, right rear. Left rear, that'll come your uh, pretty much your mid season and put a left rear on. You said one at Marshfield, you get one tire, and then there was something at mid season, you get two tires. Yep, with that program, you'll get two tires about mid season, they'll give you a second tire. Then, like Golden Sands, when we run there weekly, we get two tires every week. So, you hold on to those tires for the specific racetrack that you're running, they stay right there. Oh, really? Yep. So you get there, you jack it up, take tires off. You grab yours out of the tire shed they have there, go get your new ones, and then you can bring them. They scan them. So they're not even your tires to start. They're giving you these tires. Oh, you buy them. What? Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they deliver you tires. You, yeah, you go yeah. pick them out. They're already at the track. You pick them out, bring them to your car at Oh, wow. When you get there. So do you have a choice of the tire that you're getting? Yep. Okay. So you got different diameters so you can stagger them and stuff like that? Yep. So that plays into which tire that you're choosing out of that four? Yeah, depends on, say you show up and you, first week you got a small right rear, next week you're putting right rear on, get a bigger one. So that has a lot to do with it as well. So the other tires that are on the vehicle, then you're going to the track, how does that, that ever keep track? You got to have a spreadsheet for which tire <laughs> at which track you're able to put on and which position yeah. you had it on. Yep. All right. We have them all marked. We have a chart. Okay. This tire's now, here. Not missing the complexity of yeah. this decision. Bill, you're going to start racing pretty soon. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I got, I'll do the spreadsheet. <laughs> I think he's going to be a tire guy at least. Yeah. I think he is. <laughs> right. Bus driver. Yeah. Let's get yeah, the bus back back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who was the bus driver? Oh, I that's right. Was, we had a bus driver. Yes, it was not me. You got the bus I think ready, it was Brian. Brian. Yeah, I got the yes. bus ready. You yeah. carved it up and got it running. <laughs> this is when uh, Golden Sands hit bus. Oh, yeah. 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 I remember that. We had a bus. It was a hoot. Yeah, for a long time. Okay. Can't believe more of those buses didn't end up on their side. Yeah, that was interesting. So with every All About the Car podcast, we always break away about halfway through and do a Wisconsin road trip. And just to keep in the lane that we're currently in, we're going to go to Elkhart Lake to Road America. I have not been there. I know, Darren, you said you were there once. Brian? I got to ride around the track in a two-door. That was a hoot. Okay, so you've got the real experience, but this place is amazing from my research. I mean, they've got something going every single weekend, and you can buy season passes. You can even do driving schools there. Teen driving. driving. Yeah. Teen driving is a great place to have your young driver learn what is possible or not possible in a car. I think that's the best way for young drivers is to go out there and take it beyond the limits a little bit than what they would learn in a regular behind the wheel. So that's a great opportunity as well. One of the 
neatest things that I saw on their lineup for the year is the Art on Wheels Vintage Weekend. I'm kind of a vintage guy, as you all know. And to see some of these old cars going around the track would be just awesome, I think. It'd be kind of neat. I think that'd be a cool one to go to. Yeah, so I'd pick that out as one of my favorites. And they, of course, NASCAR Xfinity Series is there. Trans Am Speed Tour, IndyCar. There's a lot of stuff going on. And talking about the teens, you also have winter driving safety courses. So that if you're new to the area or just ever wondered, what should I really be doing in winter driving on different pavements? They have it all set up for classes. That's pretty cool. I didn't know they did that. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's going on down there. 640 acre park lake grounds. So it's... uh, Definitely a destination, a place you'd want to probably go for a long weekend. I don't think you'd do it in one day. If you got to travel there, you may as well camp. You may as well stay in hotels, motels. Sounds like a great place to go. Another one on my list because I have not been there. So let's get back to our podcast. We've got Darren Jackson of Darren Jackson Racing here with us again, and we're going to be talking about race day. So we've talked about all the details and learned a lot about how you keep the car going and tires. We learned a lot about tires, which is awesome. Bill took a lot of notes. Before we go on to that, are there any other parts that you change out? You have the gear. We talked about the springs, the gears, the tires. Is there anything else that you change out that affects the vehicle and the performance? Now I'll say on that particular track, is there anything that you change out on your vehicle? We talked about tires, shocks, and things like that, that change based on the track. We once in a while will change... Your positioning, like where the rear end is, you can twist you can it in. Shift it. Okay. Side to side, back and forth. Like the body frame? No, nope. the, the rear end itself. Okay. The, rear the length axle. of the yeah. vehicle. Yep. No. One side to the other, just the rear end itself, move that around. So the differential, the axle that the wheels oh, are built to. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. Oh. Really? I didn't know that was adjustable. Yeah. The upper control arms, you can adjust that. Different angles, different lengths. Now, there's no limit to how much you can adjust it or when you can adjust it in the series? Not really. It's You got a wheelbase limit and a tread width limit. You stay within that. You can move it wherever you want. Cool. Cool. So, I just have to ask out of curiosity. So, like when you're shifting that axle length or direction... What difference does that, again, make on a particular track? Is it based on bank or flat? A lot of it, like how long the corner is. If you need to get your car to turn a little more, you adjust it one way or the other. If your car is turning too well, you adjust it the opposite way. Uh, You can change the angles of the trailing arms that bolt the rear end in. You change the angles of all that. Are these decisions that you are making based on what you're feeling? So you're the guy. You're saying, we got to do this, we got to do that. Between me and then my buddy Jordan, like our crew chief, him and I basically. Your heads are working together yeah, all the time on this. At all, yeah, we're always thinking. We even the other day, I told him some ideas. We were looking at stuff in the shop. We just never stopped thinking about it. So after you qualify, do you make adjustments at the track then based on what it felt like yeah. in your lap times? Uh, yep. That makes sense. We'll do it between practice. If we liked how it qualified, we'll run the heat race in that the way it is. Otherwise, we'll make adjustments between the heat, between the feature. After qualifying, pretty much. Things are changing throughout the night then. And based on what? How the car feels, the time of day. Yep. Track it, temperature. Yep. As it gets towards night, the humidity in the air will change everything. The, it's everything about the weather. It changes the car. Do you feel that your particular physical presence that day also changes the car? Absolutely. 
Okay. Explain that, Bill. Explain that question. Well, I just think of like, oh, I have a tight shoulder today ah. and I have to turn left or right or whatever. I need to have the car adjust it because I am in a different physical situation. Even where your head's at that day will change. If you're just not thinking clearly, Sure. it all affects it. Do you ever have a camera in your car, a GoPro, anything like that? Yeah, we had one on my helmet one time. That'd be cool. Yeah. One time? Yeah. <laughs> Well, just the way it positioned on my helmet, it sat kind of high, so we didn't get the greatest of footage. We haven't done it in about a year now, so I was going to try it again. So how many different tracks do you race on in a season? Well, last year we ran on about six. Oh, really? Yeah. What tracks are those? We ran Golden Sands full-time. We ran Marshfield full-time. We went up to Norway Speedway in Michigan for their state line challenge. That was a fun one. We went to Lacrosse for Oktoberfest. This year, we're going to do some Dells races. We did Wausau last year, State Park Speedway. We went to their season opener. So we kind of got around a little bit last year. It was kind of fun, something a little different. See it going that direction in the future, too? Yeah. Traveling that much? Yeah. We were talking this year about the Dells is doing something a little different. They're going to have two different point series, like more of like a weekly, super late model deal with six races we're looking at doing. We're going to do Marshfield. Pretty much full-time like we have been. Is there any time that you have to make that decision to be able to enter that race or that series? Or can you just kind of show up the day before? You can just show up pretty much. Some of them bigger races, they'll have like a pre-entry or they give you a little bit of a deal if you pre-enter. But if you show up, they're not going to tell you you can't race. As long as you qualify. Right. Right. And how much does it cost to enter a race? Depending on like your weekly stuff, it's not too bad. Get into a race for a few hundred dollars between your entry fees and then your tires and stuff. You go to the big shows where you put four tires on, you're buying four practice tires too. I assume the track makes money off those sales. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's I'm just like, I never knew that the track controlled tires like that. So, so you guys run Hoosiers then? Yes, we do. Goodyear's not at that level. Goodyear used to make them, and they got out of the short track racing uh, probably 10, 12 years ago. What I remember was about then. Do you run any races that are high mileage where you got to have pit crew, change tires, refuel? We never changed tires, but the State Line Challenge last year had a pit stop halfway through. Splash and go. It was kind of neat. They parked you on the front stretch so the fans could see you. And you had 10 minutes. The crews come running out. The announcers go through, interview some of the drivers. As That's cool. It was more for the fans, yeah. but it was a very cool experience. Work on the car as long as you didn't change tires. You could do whatever you wanted. Oh, that's different. That's yeah. neat. Yeah. I really liked it. We're doing that again this year. That was for sure on our list. Is if we had to do one race next year, that's the one we're doing. And where is that run at? That is Norway, Michigan. Okay. How many miles was it then? Oh, it was a 100 lapper. So, so third mile track. Yeah. Or- so about 30 miles? Yeah. <laughs> That's a long night, isn't yeah. it? Sick of turning left at the end? Well, we ended up getting wrecked with about 20 to go. Oh, oh no. <laughs> we were the fastest car on the track, too. We were about passing for fifth, and guy behind us got into us and ended our both our nights. But it was a good time anyway. So I would imagine the speed that you're racing at really varies with the different length of tracks. Oh, yeah. I mean, by how much, what's the difference? Or what are the different lengths of tracks that you're running on? State Park in Wausau is a quarter mile for real small. Not much grip. If you get to 65 miles an hour, I'd okay. be about it probably. And that's manageable. Got a high bank. High bank and you and keep your speed up. Third mile? Yep. I'd say we're still going 100 at the end of the straightaway at Golden Sands. 
You yeah, go it's like, like ten seconds to make a lap or something like that. About twelve one. We had fast time with the twelve one this year. You made the comment about get sick tires or training lap. Do you ever get dizzy? No. <laughs> I don't know how you do that. You talk about a hundred laps, a hundred laps of going as fast as you can, turning left. Yeah. How the heck do you do that? Lots of concentration. <laughs> yeah. Who's clicking the laps? How do you know? Is there a sign that yeah. goes up? Okay. Okay. Then you got so much time to read that sign. <laughs> that particular one, I couldn't even see it, which was all right. They said it's 50. Lap 50, it's time for a break. I'm like, all right. <laughs> wow. I can't imagine. <laughs> so, Darren, on race night, or when you're in the race, I mean, what's the one thing that you can do that makes the biggest difference in the outcome? In other words, what's your number one focus and what can you change as a driver as you're going round and round, turning left, punching it to the floor? Part of it, depending on the track. I mean, some tracks, there's just not much you can do. Golden Sands, for example, is a lot of, you have to be super smooth. You have to hit the same mark every time. That's about all you can do. You go to Marshfield, you got some options. If you go high, you can go low. They've got rumble strips. If you can get your car to run on the rumble strips, you're going to be good. Rumble strips are towards the inside? Yep. Okay. Pretty much a whole lane wide. They got on the bottom. So you say if you can get your car to run on the rumble strips. In other words, if you're successful on the rumble strips, yeah. it's good? Yeah. Okay. It's just another lane for you. Uh-huh. It's just another lane for you at that point. Really? Yeah. That can't be comfortable running on the rumble strip. <laughs> I can just get used to it, I guess. Okay. All right. I'm just checking here. That's one nice part about Marshfield. It makes it fun to drive is you have options. If a guy's sitting in the middle, if you can make car go high, if you can get low, you can go anywhere. And there's things a driver can do to make it better for yourself on the it's track. It's like watching the Golden Sands try to pass somebody. It's, it's tough. That's a challenge. Yes, because everyone's so close in speed there. And over the years, the outside groove has kind of washed away just with age. It makes it tough passing. So then how do you ever win? Four laps. you got to pass. Laps I guess yeah. so somehow you do, right? Qualify number one. Got to be good with the front bumper at some point. Okay. All right. Are there moves that you can't do that are against the rules, such as you talked about the front bumper? I'm assuming that bumper's touching somebody? Yeah. Okay. What can't you do? Mainly is you can't three wide. Golden Sands, you can't go three wide. Okay. Marshfield is... It's iffy because you can go three wide, but if you cause a caution, you're disqualified. So it's kind of one of those, should I or should I not do it? And that's usually dipping down on the inside. Yeah. I mean, there's two cars ahead of you, you going to the inside of it. Yeah, you'd never make it on the outside. Right. They'd be looking at you for cheating. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you said that there's marks on the track. What does that mean? Are you hitting your marks? Just spots on the track where you're looking to put your tires, or you're looking to pick up the throttle, or you let off, brake. So it sounds like consistency is really what you're looking for. Yeah, especially at a place like Golden Sands where you have to be smooth the whole time. You cannot make a mistake there. That's why it's one of the tougher tracks to race, really. Any aspirations to jump up? No, there really isn't much. Unless we went, I would like to someday take our super late, maybe do some bigger races. That'd be about as far up as I'd like to go. Like Milwaukee or something like that? Yeah. something. That's a mile track? Yep. Flat Flat. track. Which they do run super late there once a year. We'd need a bigger engine package for that. Might there be another generation of Darren racing? 
<laughs> Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> I can see you passing it on uh, like your dad did. Yep. Rob had talked about like what you can do in the race. What are things that you do to get ready to race, just physically or mentally? I don't just try to stay relaxed, really. Okay. Don't get too worked up. Do you get worked up anymore? Oh, yeah. Do you? <laughs> That's probably a good thing, yeah. though. There's a certain level of yeah. that that you need. Adrenaline and... No fear. Yeah. <laughs> I've gotten hot-headed a couple times. People don't believe it, but it's happened. Got it, all right. Less yeah, the adrenaline yeah. is flowing, yeah. you're racing. Now, the part of race night I always enjoyed, the days that I had spent or the evenings at Golden Sands, was at the end going in the pits and just looking at all the aftermath, I guess. You can almost see the smoke still and smell the hot tires. I got to believe you got some stories about the pits. Oh, yeah. You got some things you could share with us? Yeah, we're usually in the top five for last people in the pits okay so so there's a little partying going on yeah usually the cooler comes out not usually every time <laughs> and the spectators are able to come in and wander on through yeah and- which is nice you get to interact with everybody get to talk to them after the races i enjoy that then do you hand things out to the little kids or anything like that oh yeah we got hero cards with picture of the car you sign them for them oh that's cool yeah that's neat other sponsors give us business cards, can koozies, whatever they want. Hand it out. It's all on the back of the car with the candy. Nice. So it works out pretty well. A lot of pictures going on. A lot of pictures. Yeah. It's fun to meet people that I've never met before that are sitting there cheering you on. It's kind of cool. Yeah, that's cool. Feel like you're on top of the world. Yeah. There, for sure. Is there anything that we have not asked that you would like to talk about or answer? I guess I don't really know. I think I'm good. Okay. As a proud third-year sponsor, Sheryl Tire, the store, and Subway, we know that Night at the Races isn't possible without your loyal fans. What do your fans mean to you and your team? That's the reason we do it, really. I've always wanted to be the guy some little kids looking up to because I was that kid at one point and just wishing one day I could be there being that guy. And now I hope I'm that guy for somebody else. So here's your shot. If you could give one message of inspiration to those little go-kart drivers out there, what would that be? Don't give up when it gets hard because it's always hard. That makes sense. Perseverance, just keep going. Well, thank you very much, Darren, for allowing the rare inside look at the super late model racing in central Wisconsin through the eyes of Darren Jackson Racing. From your proud sponsor, Team Shiro Companies, we wish you a number one season for good old number two. Thanks for having me. We hope to have you right along next time on All About the Car. To listen to previous episodes, find additional resources, or to simply send us a message, head to allaboutthecarpodcast.com. We'll see you next time.